0: So I, one thing I wanted to say earlier this morning that I didn't say was um, a little bit of background of, like, why we're in Colossians. So as I received the invitation to come and be with you guys, I was thinking about, well, at the time, I didn't know any of you. <laughs> and, um, well, I knew Crystal and um, had met, I think a couple of you may be visiting. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really know you guys, and as I was thinking about Uh, the epistles right and particularly Colossians which is a letter to this church in Colossae um, it it really like connected with me one because it is um, the verse that the urban Christian woman was really pulled out of and like really established on Um, and not only that but I was thinking like Paul wrote this letter to a church to a group of folks in a house that he had never met Epaphras his homeboy was the one who started the church And Paul was writing this letter to be sent to them before he had ever even met them or seen them, Uh, hoping to come and see them and be with them, uh, but not having been at the time. And so I was thinking about, like, Paul, as he's forming these letters of um, this letter, these words of encouragement to the church that he's never seen, um, it really connected with me as I was praying and preparing for words to share with you guys who I had never met, never seen, uh, but that would be words from the Lord, words of encouragement, words of exhortation, words of correction, um, and words to strengthen you from the Lord. And so it felt like Colossians was a really good fit for that, and so that's kind of like why we're there. So I wanted to say that earlier, so i say that. Um, and so this morning we talked about our new location, and this evening we're going to be talking about the new addition, the Friendship and Family in Christ. And so some of us have a lot of baggage around the word family. Um, Maybe you came from a dysfunctional family. Uh, Maybe you are a single person who feels isolated from the context of family. Or maybe you feel shame for the ways that your choices or choices of others uh, have created a family that's broken. Um, And I want to give you guys the good news in Christ is that because of Jesus, we get a new family. Mm -hmm. And so that's the good news that we're going to dig into tonight, what that new family looks like, what the identifying markers of that new family is, and how it looks like to actually for us to exist together as that new family. So I'm going to go teacher mode, right? <laughs> but um, my, my partner in crime, my husband, he uh, gets to preach from time to time at our church and he uses this great circle analogy to talk about the law. So I'm going to gravitate away from the mic. But y'all can hear me, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So when he talks about grace and the law and the understanding of the gospel, he uses this circle analogy. And um, you've got your outsiders that don't uh, know or follow the law, which is, you know, the Levitical law and all that stuff. And then you've got your insiders who are... Um, your ethnic and religious Jews who follow the law, right? They're following the laws of circumcision. They've created an insider and outsider marker around mainly around circumcision, but also around the keeping of the law um, that creates now this definitive space where you can say who's on the inside and who's on the outside based on who keeps the law, right? And so a lot of the ethnic and religious Jews of the time, at Jesus' time, thought, okay, like, our Messiah is here. Great, he's going to expand the circle to let more people in. And what rocked their world is that actually Jesus came to erase the circle altogether. So that now, there is no concept of who's an insider or an outsider. Mm -hmm. It's very disorienting for the religious Jews but Jesus comes and he erases the circle and says, no, now you're all insiders in the family of God. You're insiders through faith in Christ. There's no insider-outsider distinction. There's no necessity to keep the law. The definition of being an insider now is just faith in Christ. And he, he blows that wide open for everyone. And that's really disorienting. Well, tonight I want to talk about how I believe that this is a great example also for the family of God, right? And so we live in this culture where family is, uh, we're swimming in this culture where family is so definitive, right? Your household, your nuclear family, right? Your blood family. And we're, we're swimming in it. We're, we're living, eating, walking it. We see it everywhere. It's the context that we're in. But what I want to encourage you ladies in is that in Christ, right, we've received our new location. We've been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son that in that this circle of family distinction is completely erased where now there's no not my family my family in Christ there's no household distinction in Christ but in Christ we are just as much brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. as if we were very much blood Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Christ blows the paradigm by erasing the circle And creating no circle where we are all brothers and sisters in the family of God. And God's good desire is for family because God is a family in himself, right? Like he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And because we're made in God's image, we bear this mark of being in family, needing family, and needing that community. See, for, for God, actually being saved unto God alone for his people was never the plan, right? Like, not alone. But God saves us to a family. In fact, if we look back at Genesis 2, we see that aloneness was actually a problem before sin was. In the midst of creation, God is calling everything that he breathes breath into existence. Good, good. Left and right, it's good. And the author and pastor John Onwucheka puts it this way, the first time not and good are together and hold hands in scripture is in reference to Adam's human isolation. (laughs) It is not good for man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. Enter stage left, Eve. (laughs) Therefore creating the first family ever, but I, I actually feel like I have to take a quick detour when we talk about Eve and her role in the family, since we're all daughters of Eve here. And I feel like a responsible person driving past the scene of a crime, like you can't just roll past this helper text and not say anything about it. Uh, because in Genesis 2, like with Genesis 2 in a room full of women, there's clearly people that have had hurt or baggage around that passage. And so I want to spend a little time talking about it just a little bit, I promise, um, and what it means when God calls the woman helper. The Hebrew word is ezer, uh, which means helper, um, but I'm going to help you guys reframe that, maybe in a healthier way, um, that ezer in the Old Testament is used 21 times, two for women, three for countries larger and stronger than Israel offering military aid to rescue Israel out of her problems, and 16 times in relation to God with Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it cannot mean a less than mm-hmm. mm-hmm. psychic, <laughs> because that's not who God is. It cannot mean mommy's little helper in the kitchen, because that's not who God is. That's not who God is in relationship to Israel. God is Israel's strong help, a rescue, an a, a, uh, ever-present help in time of need. Those are the ways that this word Ezer is used in relation to God in Israel. And then God calls us Ezers, right? We are called to be Ezers, and we're called to be Ezer warriors, Right? This, this role of Ezer is, is intended to be a real needed help to our brothers. We are the Deborahs and the Baraks, right? Mm-hmm. We are called to be uh, Ezers who have their back in battle, right? We're the Esters and the Malachis. We are called to be Ezer roadblocks when our brothers go astray. We are called to be Abigails to our Davids. We are called to get in their way if they get off the path of pursuing God and his kingdom in this world. And so we're allies, we're roadblocks as we are in this war zone together. We were, who was I talking with? Rachel, somebody, we were walking and we were talking about how, like, in the garden at the beginning of Genesis, right? It's this. It's this curated garden, right, that God has created. But but outside of that, it's all untamed. It's, mm-hmm. it's wilderness, which is inherently wild. And Adam and Eve are set in this garden, and they're commissioned mm-hmm. to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. And these ladies, y'all are so sharp. We were, like, talking about what does it mean to subdue and have dominion, and that feels like it has all this negative baggage. But... Uh, my sister, who is clearly smarter than me, uh, was talking about how there's this sense of taming what is wild because the wilderness has an inherent danger in it. Mm. And then I'm like, of course it does, because where did the, who was there before? You know, uh, sin entered the world. There was this serpent before this interaction between Adam and even the serpent, right? This enemy is there. Mm. There's an enemy lurking in the garden. Waiting to introduce humanity to sin. Hmm. And so I see Adam and Eve then as this uh, Carolyn Custis James calls them the blessed alliance, right? This this partnership meant to be together for mutual flourishing necessary for one another to be real help to have their backs in battle, right? And to be roadblocks when they go astray. Now in the garden, we see that completely fall apart. And I think today, right, we still see that completely falling apart in our context through unhealthy, uh, toxic masculinity, right? Through unhealthy, um, uh, vindictive, um, you know, uh, femininity in a way that is really uh, looking to oppress one or the other for the sake of independence or power. Mm -hmm. When God calls us to actually subvert that, to actually look for this blessed alliance, Mm -hmm. That wasn't, that was, that was for free. That that was a side, that was a a detour. (laughs) Let's come back to Colossians here. But we have to understand our role in the family in order to understand how to operate as a family. So hopefully that will bless and encourage you guys. Happy to talk about it more later. Um, But our main idea tonight as we look at the beginning of Colossians 3, you guys can turn there, is this, the gift of God in Christ, in Christ's kingdom... Is a new family so because the new family is in the new kingdom the new family has to reflect Christ our king in fact it necessarily reflects Christ our king and the bad news is that everywhere we look there are still these residuals of the old family the old family identified by the kingdoms of darkness Um, and yet our reality is that we are saved to a family And that family is made to reflect Christ in the kingdom of light. Uh, So let's read Colossians 3, 1 through 17 together, then I'm going to pray for us. Because we're just getting started. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, Gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let's pray. God, thank you for that word. Thank you for your word. Thank you that, again, we get together in good health and in our minds to be able to study the word together, to dig into it, to glean from it, Messages of hope, um, of life, of correction, of encouragement. Would you be with us? Stir in us your spirit Mm -hmm. to understand your word, um, to be spurred on by it. Help me to see it rightly as we share it. As the saints say, would I decrease and you would increase. Mm -hmm. God, and would these women begin to um, look to your word as a treasure to hold high in their hearts. Mm Would, would you prepare their hearts to receive these seeds planted uh, that would bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I watched this movie, Cheaper by the Dozen, but not the old one, the 2022 version that like just came out on Disney+. Has anyone seen it yet? no okay now you gotta go watch it when you go home um it's nothing like the other ones okay but it's got uh zach brath and it's got um gabrielle union in it so it's a win <laughs> um, but in this new version there's this character seth who's a cousin of the baker family the dozen the baker's dozen that's cute um, paul is uh, seth's um uncle and so seth is his nephew who uh, gets brought into Baker household because uh, Seth's mom gets put into rehab. Um, and so Seth has to go live with the bakers. And uh, he's coming from like this really broken home, right? Like he's, his mom obviously is in rehab. And I think he says at one point, like, I'm just a weirdo with a messed up mom and no dad, right? And so he's got these tendencies towards just like a dark mood. Um, he's He begins like stealing from the family restaurant, stealing money out of the cash register. Um, but the baker's response to him is uh what is was so remarkable to me you know he's stealing from the cash register and at the same time paul his uncle is coming up to him and saying hey like you're doing a really good job like i just really want to acknowledge that and call that out on you like thanks and here's a bonus and he slides him some money and that begins to transform Seth to the point where like the money that he stole he puts back Mm -hmm. right the 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 way that he's actually like postured towards other siblings right he's Standing up for the kids that are being bullied, he's making sure that he shows support for the little ones um, and helps them as they're scared of monsters under their bed. Right, this love, this sense of belonging, begins to transform him. Um, and then, even though they're like this mismatched family, like of you know they've got a multiracial, adopted, a blended family, all of this like sort of mismatch of of this group, their love and belonging is such a defining factor. That it changes Seth, it transforms him, so that even when he views himself as an outsider, they treat him like an insider. Mm. And uh, at one point, you know, he gets sort of in this mood. He gets accused by like one of their neighbors of stealing, because um, he's just one of those guys who looks like he's up to no good. Mm. And so his he ends up running away from the Baker family. So they're all like. We gotta go get Seth back. You know, it's one of those epic end of the movies where, like, everyone gets together, they get in, like, the minivan, and they're like, Seth, hurry, Seth. Uh, and they find him at his old apartment, right? And they're like, Seth, come home, Seth, come home. They're shouting out, there's, like, you know, 14 of them or whatever shouting, Seth, come home. And at one point, this, like, random extra who's standing on the sidewalk is like, come home, Seth. <laughs> love like this is hard to find.
1: <laughs> You're like, who is that random dude, right?
0: But it's true, like, love like that is hard to find. And we're all looking for that level of love and belonging. And the good news is, like, this is it, right? This Mm. is your family. This is the place to find that remarkable love and belonging um, as we find love and belonging in Christ. Mm. So as Paul launches us into this passage, if you have been raised with Christ, he's saying, this is your new location, right? You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things above where Christ is. So we're seeking what Christ has put in us, right? Seated at the right hand of God they say and so this even the right hand of God language is this sign and signal of a completed work like kings at the time like they would sit as a symbol of I'm done. Hmm. So when the scripture says that Christ is seated at the right hand of God he's saying my work is finished Hmm. it's done Hmm. it's completed the mission is accomplished you are mine mm. and so this language then uh, it, it amps up our identity and our belonging and, and the way that we can treasure Christ because he's done this for us And so Paul then says set your mind on things above as we talked about your new location in the kingdom of light, not on earthly things, your old location in the domain of darkness. And so a couple weeks ago um, I was telling a lot of you guys about the ministry work that I do in Cleveland, New City Cleveland, which exists to empower residents through faith, equity, and justice. And one of the things we've been doing this winter is a snow shoveling program. We have hi- we got a grant to hire some youth to shovel snow for seniors in our community who wouldn't otherwise get it. Snow, obviously, as mentioned earlier, is a big deal in Cleveland. Uh, so there's a way that we can serve our neighbors and serve our community. And as a part of that, the youth who are in the program get some job training and some leadership development, some workforce training. We're partnering with uh, this awesome gal named Layla, who's our leadership coach. And she did this exercise with the kids about time management priorities. Uh, and where uh, you guys have probably done this before, right? Where it's like the, sand, the rocks and the pebbles and the sand, and you put them all together, and you've got to put your big rocks in first, mm-hmm. and then your pebbles, and then your sand to show what it looks like when you rightly order your priorities, mm-hmm. how it fills up, um, how everything that matters really fits. Uh, and then at the end, she says, write something meaningful on the top to remind you why your priorities are the way they are, right? And so on mine, I wrote, remember your why. And you guys guys probably heard that. Anyone who's in a career space or whatever, that's a common saying. Remember your why. And so in the midst of this, right, Paul is giving us this, like, positional statement. You have been raised. Christ is seated. Set your minds. He's setting us up. He says, "Um, for you died and your life is hid with Christ on high. So he's saying, it's like these bookends, too. He's saying, remember what happened, remember your transfer, that happened, that's done, sure as day, it's done. And then he bookends the other side with, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So even as he's setting us up with seeking and setting, he's saying, remember your why, remember your why, for you died, your life is hidden, and Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, appears, appears. You will also appear with him in glory. And then there's a definitiveness in that. Do you guys hear that? Like, you died. That's past tense. Your life is hid, present tense. And you will appear with him in glory, future tense. Past, present, and future. It's done. It's a sure promise. And he says, you will appear with him in glory, And even that glory, right, like it's not the sweet by and by, it's it's all of your glory, right, your completeness. Because Christ is restoring us to be our truest selves, the ones he truly created us to be, in the context of God's family. So Christ is your life, he says in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Just as Christ was glorified, we too will one day be glorified in this new family. Um, our life is hid with Christ. It's like that, That uh, okay, so if you guys have black grandma, you might not have black grandma, but if you did, <laughs> in her house, there would have been a tin of shortbread cookies that wasn't actually a tin of shortbread cookies. <laughs> if you opened it up, right? You know what I'm talking about. It was so a right? It had all the household necessities It actually, even though it was a tin of shortbread cookies on the outside, it wasn't the factory processed sugary snacks. It was something way more useful for life, right? Mm -hmm. Our life is hid in Christ, hid with Christ, rooted in Christ. And the great news for tonight is that we're not rooted alone. Mm -hmm. In Christ, we are rooted in a garden, we're rooted in a forest. We're rooted in a preservation land with many, many others who are now bound together, root system and all. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know why redwoods can be so tall with such shallow roots? It's because they're interconnected together. Mm -hmm. Their root system is rooted together. So you get these massive trees that get the strength that they have from the interconnectedness of their roots. Mm -hmm. So now as Paul calls us to seek and set, And we're seeking our setting and setting our minds on Christ's completed work it's to allow his life to define our new family but we need a healthy root system right Mm -hmm. as I said earlier this problem of sin is lurking and so it's super out of place among us right in this kingdom of light but it's there and it'd be like if I had brought my Columbia coat to California Uh, And Satan would love nothing better than for me to like suffocate under the weight of this wrong coat, Mm. or to put it differently, if our root system uh, was not healthy, right? If our root system began to rot out and our family life began to be defined by the domain of darkness instead of the kingdom of Jesus. So when we're seeking and setting, we're seeking a family in the kingdom of Jesus, but the temptation is to seek the family in this domain of darkness. Hmm. And so as we build and build on these talks, you know your location is new, and remember that the goal is to present you mature in Christ, so I'm gonna drop this other anchor down right here, that God's prescription for being presented mature in Christ is to be defined by Christ in the new family. And so that involves this putting off and this putting on of identity markers and our family values, right? So this is God's prescription for us. In order to write a prescription, a doctor knows both the problem and the solution, right? She gives the prescription to you, which is not in itself the solution, but in taking the prescription, that is the solution. And so we want to be presented mature in Christ, and God's prescription is this putting off and this putting on of identity markers or our new family values. So my question for you ladies is... Which family do you want to be defined by? What family values are you allowing yourself to be defined by? All of us had old families in the domain of darkness, whether we wanted to call it that or not, because we are wired by God to belong in family, in community. So our family identities before Christ were often rooted around what Paul calls earthly things. Right? All of these are insufficient. They are reigned by the kingdom of darkness, and they therefore lead to death. I mean, look what he says. He says, put to death these things that belong to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We see families all around our culture who are defined by these things. They're looking for community, but it's around things that are in this earthly nature, this domain of darkness. I love our LGBTQ image bears, but there's an identity right that's formed around a fallen nature. I love our sisters who are single and striving, but sometimes our identity is found in these relationships, casual sex, outside of a marriage relationship, seeking belonging, seeking connection, seeking identity. I love those that are are skilled to pursue careers, uh, but sometimes you find a family in that position of power at your job. Or you find family in belonging to a community of social status or wealth. Or you find family in that acknowledgement of approval or influence through likes and follows on social media. And so as we look at this challenge, right, in Colossians 3 and 8 through 11, we see like these things we put to death when our old self died. These families were to die and we are to be raised in faith in Christ. But Paul also says, look among you, right, to this new family in Christ, and don't forget to also put away what? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices. So the the earthly things, right, we're like, that's dead to me. Like, I'm new in Christ. And then you're in Christ, and then you're still battling. Paul's like, I'm not foolish. Like, I know. You're still striving against anger, right? You're still struggling with malice. You're still struggling with honesty. And so um, Paul says, like, put, to, put away those things. Put away being united around what and who you can't stand or who you think is wrong or annoying. Put away being united around bitterness towards someone's ideology that hurt you. Mm. Put away being united around gossip or trash talk. Mm. Put away being united around racial and ethnic identity, whether through racial superiority or creating a whole identity around marginalization and oppression. Mm. Put it away. Mm. Put away also lies, which doesn't just mean not telling somebody the truth, but I think in our context, in the family of God, lies can also mean a lack of vulnerability. A veneer of perfection. Mm. What do you need? No, I'm good. I got it. Mm. great. Mm. When inside, you're drowning. Mm. Put it away. None of this reflects the new reality accomplished by the life, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's all dead man stuff. It's dead man stuff. It's domain of darkness stuff. It will leave us withering in the dark shadows. Mm. It will leave us lacking the strength from the root system that you were ransomed to be planted with. Mm by the work of our risen Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And Paul says in verse 10, you are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. So we're in a process of renewal. Don't get discouraged, lady. Stay on the path. We are being renewed in the image of our creator. And we look and see that, like I said, this this is a letter to Colossae, uh, the church church. Um, and they're in very much like a context sort of like DC, right? It's urban. It's a space where there's a lot of lights and, and I mean not lights, but you know what I'm saying, like flashiness, temptation towards, fill in the blank, all sorts of um ideologies, worldviews that are contrary to Christ that you could chase for your lifetime. And he calls them out too. He's like, these are things that in the Colossae domain of darkness are a real temptation for y'all, right? There is no Jew or Greek. There's no ethnic superiority. There is no circumcision or uncircumcision. There's no religious superiority, okay? Denominational superiority. There is no barbarian, Scythian. There's no educated or uneducated hierarchy here. Not in the church, no. There is no slave or free. There's no poor or rich, not in the church, no. Christ is your great equalizer, fam. Mm -hmm. Christ is at the center, fam. Mm -hmm. Christ is in all, and he is all. So set our minds on Christ, because he is everything that defines our new family, Mm -hmm. not these markers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we set our minds on the kingdom of God and the qualities for a family that is defined by the rule and reign of Jesus. We're called to put on these identity markers of the new family, just like... Uh, You know, Seth puts on the love of the family and in fact at the end of the movie They put him on like the label of Paul's like special sauce that he makes. I just told you guys the end. Sorry Right they put him on the label, right? There's a marker that says you belong in this family Mm -hmm. We are called to a new set of family values because we belong in the family, right? And so in verse 12, Paul launches in by calling on our identity and then calling us into the identity markers, these family values. It's ordered rightly, right? He calls us into family and he says, because of this, now look like the family, Mm -hmm. y'all. Put on. Then he goes in this list. Put on. As God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. There he's calling who you are first before he even tells you what to do. Let me remind you who you are. And out of that, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion is this like deep guttural sympathy and care. Kindness, God's fueled orientation of our hearts generously towards others. Humility, surrender of full guidance, saying, you know, my heart, mind, life, God, your will is superior to mine. Gentleness. And the actual word gentleness here in the Greek originally refers to domesticated animals like horses, camels, donkeys, whose strength had to be channeled for their master's purpose. That's gentleness. Patience. Persevering towards a goal or a promise that will be fulfilled. Be patient, sisters. Long suffering, a voluntary non-retaliation. Come on, women have <laughs> Strong in character to resist a temper-driven reaction. I just want to sit down right now. (laughs) Forgiveness. God's promise not to count our sins against us. And so our promise not to count our sins against one another. Mm -hmm. And this is not just a list of virtues to attain. We can see, as we look through the life and the story of Jesus, these are all qualities that were revealed in the person of Jesus. Jesus showed compassion to everyone he encountered. Matthew 9, he has compassion and healed. Matthew 14, he has compassion and taught. Matthew 15, he had compassion because they were hungry, and he was like, y'all walk home like this, y'all gonna faint. Mm. So he fed them. Jesus showed kindness to Jairus' 12-year-old daughter Mm. in Luke 8. He comes to her, he heals her, and in doing that, he takes her hand. Mm. A physical demonstration of kindness. Mm. Jesus showed humility in every way by coming down, by being a servant. By being a servant, Philippians 2 lists it all. Jesus shows gentleness in the way he speaks to Zacchaeus in Luke 19, or the woman bleeding in Luke 8. Mm. Jesus is patient with his disciples, when they fall asleep in his time of need in Matthew 28, 26. Jesus shows long-suffering as he endured ridicule, disgrace on his way to the cross. Jesus is forgiveness. His life was broken and poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, Matthew 26. Christ is our life. We are hid in him. So we don't have to chase this list of virtues. We get to set our mind on Jesus and seek him always, and seeking him, be filled with him, be filled with him by the spirit. We don't chase the stream. We go to the source. We go and drink deeply from the source. And that is what it means to seek and set. We're seeking the person. The person is filling us. And out of that comes our family values. And so we said, like, okay, so all of that is true. we have got to get very practical. What does it look like to practically seek him? Well, we look in the word, and we see Jesus. So we got to look in the word. Mm. We got to slow down. We got to open the word. Mm. We got to pray over the word. Mm-hmm. We got to trust God's word when it speaks. Mm. We got to look for ourselves, and not just from the sermon. We going to look for ourselves and not just from the books and the podcasts. We gotta look for ourselves to see Jesus mm-hmm. and trust that His Spirit in you is gonna help you understand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people misunderstand. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look for yourself, you're riding on someone else's misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So we gotta slow down and look in the Word, mm-hmm. see Jesus for ourselves. And not just to see what He taught, right? Not just to see His words but to see his way. There's a way that Jesus did what he did. There's a way that he moved about the world. There's a way that he looked at others. There's a way that he spoke gently to some and sharply to others. Mm -hmm. And this way that he moves throughout the world, we look at that too. We know his ways. So when we encounter this new family life, And when it challenges us, we look to him and his ways. And we remember, like we said earlier, he has gone before us in all things. Mm -hmm. He has gone before us in being hungry and tired. He has gone before us in having somebody annoy him. He has gone before us in having somebody abandon him. He has Mm -hmm. gone before us in being in pain in his body. He has gone Mm -hmm. before us in being misunderstood. Mm -hmm. He has gone before us in serving someone when he felt like just... Mm -hmm. he has gone before us in all things Mm -hmm. and so we get this gift in Christ and then Paul says above all things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity um I have a perfect bond, and it's called my jean jacket. (laughs) It's actually not a bond, but it's my perfect completion of every outfit, right? Like, I'll be stuck with, like, two, like, pieces, and I'm like, this is okay, but, like, it just needs a pop. Then I'll just put on my jean jacket, and I'm like, it takes all, any outfit to, like, a whole new space, right? A whole new level, right? But, okay, better than a jean jacket, which perishes, I know, I know, And, and Christ was everything, and he, everything he did was clothed with love, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Everything he did was clothed with love. The perfect bond of unity in God's family is love. Not right doctrine, not agreeing on social issues, Mm. not charismatic worship or theologically conservative worship. No, it's love. Mm. That's why in John 13, Jesus says, Everyone will know you are my followers by your love for one another. And then again in John 17, his prayer for us is our unity. That's why Jesus called the disciples to love and prayed for them to be able to love each other. Love is this perfect bond of unity. John Perkins said love is the final fight. Amen? And so he calls us to love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule in your hearts. So we have this bond of love, and then we have the peace of Christ. And I was like, okay, like, what is the peace of Christ, right? And I thought of um, the other epistle, one of the other epistles that Paul wrote Ephesians 2, uh, where he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He made both groups one and he tore down the wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commandments and express regulations. He erased the circle, okay, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, therefore making peace. He did this so he might reconcile both to one body in God through the cross in which he put hostility to death. So this is the peace, right? This is the reality of peace. It's a costly, bloody peace that destroyed hostility and made one new person where there were formerly two, Jew and Gentile. This peace, let this peace be the rule of your hearts as you live in family with one another. A peace that paid to put hostility to death. Mm -hmm. Jesus went to the uttermost length to put to death this hostility between you and me. And so, like, what if we recited that to one another? Like, what if we recited that in our hearts? What if that was the practice of seeking and setting a peace that puts to death the hostility between each other for the sake of Jesus and his gospel? And so I want to encourage you guys, like, we don't have to do this from a place of striving. We do this from our position, from our location in Christ, seeking and setting our minds on him these imperatives that Paul is talking about are how we apply what God already intended and what he called us to do. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are making us a family. Thank you that you called us together, that there is no more distinction between household between single or married, older, younger, we are all sisters in Christ. Thank you for that great equalizer, Jesus, who brings us all together and has broken down these walls of hostility one to another. Create in us an urgency around seeking and setting our minds on you and finding ourselves clothed like this new family in you. Root ourselves in that truth. In mm-hmm. Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.